Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm really excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you to everyone who's listening today. Now I'm really excited today because I have another guest on the show. And today I am talking to Maital Eshagian, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she practices in Los Angeles in California. So she works in a group practice and specializes in the treatment of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder and other related anxiety OCD spectrum disorders. Now I am really excited about this interview because although I work with OCD a bit in my eating disorders work, it's something that I really don't feel like a specialist in and I've got lots and lots of questions that I want to ask. So I'm going to be speaking to Maytel today just to really find out a bit more about OCD, what's the difference between obsessions and compulsions, maybe what causes it, um, you know, what kind of typical presentation for a client and how can it be treated most effectively. So if you are listening in and you suffer from OCD, I hope this episode is going to be really helpful for you. Um, But also if you're just curious to find out a bit more or maybe you have a friend who who suffers, um, I hope this is going to be really, really helpful. So very excited. Let's get over to the episode. Hi, Maytel. Really great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here right now. Thank you. So Maytel, could you tell us all a bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Maytal Shagian. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I practice in Los Angeles, California. I'm currently working in a group practice, and we specialize in the treatment of OCD and other related anxiety disorders. It's been about two years that I've been working with anxiety treatment, and I've grown so much passion working with people who struggle with anxiety. Mm, well, that's great to hear. Thanks for sharing. And how are you doing over there, kind of as you move out of lockdown? Yes, that's a good question. So, when the pandemic first hit, I would say like things were very different. It felt bumpy and messy. And that's how life is sometimes, right? We never know what can happen next. And we have to get, un- we have to get comfortable with the uncertainty of life. So, That being said, I think that something that struck many was that feeling of uncertainty and what's going to happen next or what if X, Y, and Z happens. And as an anxiety therapist, I told myself, you have to sit with the uncertainty and just roll with it. So things were tough at first, but then, you know, as everyone else, I think we slowly eased into it and we learned that we can manage things even if it feels a little bit weird or bumpy. Mm, sure. Yeah, it's definitely been an adjustment, hasn't it? So, and, and how have you sort of found the lockdown in general? Like, how, you know, how was it for you over there? I would say, again, the biggest struggle for me was just dealing with the uncertainty of the coronavirus. Like, in terms of my work changing, not practicing in the office, not being able to visit my family, like my grandparents. So, Again, it was just that uncertainty that was striking for me. 
sure yeah no definitely and are you and are things easing a little bit there now or you you know what does it kind of look like there for you at the moment yes definitely I would say things are feeling a little bit back to normal in terms of going out and seeing friends but obviously in a safe way social distancing and Again, this is considered the new normal. So I would say things are feeling, things are starting to feel like it's normal again. Sure. Yeah, no, sure. And it sounds similar to here, really. So can you tell us a bit more, Amato, about your journey in becoming a therapist? So yes, I think every therapist gets asked this question, and it's always a great question to ask. I remember when I was in high school, it was my senior year, and I took a psychology course, and it was the first psychology course I ever took. And I was just fascinated and immersed in the study, and I loved learning everything about mental health and the treatment for all the different disorders. And growing up, I always felt like I was that good listener and I loved being that supportive friend. And after that course, my mind was set on pursuing a degree in psychology and there was no turning back for me. Mm, Sure. So it sounds like you're on your right path. So I'm really interested as well, you know, in your Instagram post, because that's kind of where I first was introduced to you. And obviously you talk a lot about obsessive compulsive disorder. So is that like your specialist area? Yes. So I am currently working with clients who present with OCD and other anxiety-related disorders. So panic disorder, social anxiety, health anxiety, and a few others. Sure. So anxiety disorders, I guess, you know, they're very common, aren't they? We see them like very often in, in mental health and more sort of generalized anxiety itself. Why is it, do you think, that so many people do struggle with anxiety? I think that anxiety is inevitable and it's part of life. And that being said, I think there are many situations that come up in life and it's normal to experience anxiety in different situations and when there's an actual posed danger. However, I think that there's a big difference between anxiety versus anxiety disorders and people who struggle with anxiety disorders, it can become really debilitating and it interferes with their life and their normal functioning. So I think it's really important in terms of seeking the right treatment when things start to feel that way in their life. Mm, Sure. No, it sounds like, you know, I know with people I've worked with sometimes, it's just completely kind of paralyzing, isn't it? I think when the anxiety, you know, is so intense and at a really high level. So can you tell us a bit more about obsessive compulsive disorder and sort of how it presents itself? Yes, of course. So as you know, OCD stands for obsessive compulsive disorder, and it affects two to three percent of the population. So I'll go through the nuts and bolts of it. So obsessions, they're described as unwanted thoughts, images, or urges, and they cause a lot of distress. So it also involves uncomfortable feelings like fear, constant doubt, disgust, and it leads to compulsions, which are also called rituals. So the OCD sufferer usually engages in a compulsion in order to ward off or neutralize the worry and the distress. 
obviously it's a trap and compulsions don't work. And there's different types of compulsions that I always talk to my clients about. So there's avoidance, there's overt behaviors, there's reassurance seeking behaviors, and then there's mental checking and rituals. And like I said before, it's very debilitating, it's time consuming, and it does feel torturous for the person who's struggling with OCD. It's not something they enjoy doing, but it's something that they feel like they're compelled to do in order to neutralize that worry. Hmm. So could you talk um, so perhaps in a bit more detail about a specific example of the obsession and then the compulsion to help people understand that a bit better? Yes, of course. So there's so many different subtypes of OCD, but I will talk about one that's not there's not a lot of awareness for it, and that's perinatal and postpartum OCD. So an example of an obsession for that would be intrusive thoughts about hurting a baby before or after pregnancy or disturbing thoughts of sexually abusing their baby. For example, unwanted images of throwing or dropping a baby. However, it is important to know that these are ego dystonic thoughts. So it does not align with their values or self-concept, which is why it leads to never-ending compulsions. So, you know, with the compulsion aspect, I would say it's, you know, checking on the baby repeatedly, seeking constant reassurance, like, did I do anything wrong? Do you think anything happened to my baby in terms of their baby's health and well-being? So other things can be like avoiding feeding a child for accidental poisoning. So there's like a whole list of different things that consist of the obsessions and compulsions, but these are just a few for perinatal OCD. Mm, sure. Well, it sounds just so debilitating, doesn't it? Because I, I just kind of can imagine like, you know, I think particularly when you have a young baby, there can be quite a lot of just anxiety anyway. But if you've got this whole other layer of kind of obsessions and compulsions, I guess it would just completely take up all your day, wouldn't it? Just be terrible. So mm-hmm. how long does it take, you know, for the average OCD sufferer to like seek the right treatment? I mean, it, you know, is that a question that's easy to answer? Right. So actually, that's a really good question. And I will quote the IOCDF, the International OCD Foundation. It actually takes an average of 14 to 17 years from the time that their OCD begins for people to get the appropriate treatment. It's also because sometimes people hide their symptoms due to fear of embarrassment or stigma or, you know, lacking resources in terms of finding an OCD specialist amongst other things. Mm, sure. My goodness. I mean, that's just quite overwhelming actually to think about that, isn't it? Because I'm sure like if someone has been living with OCD for that long, it must just be then like, you know, it's going to become like such a kind of habit, isn't it? And you're kind of like, you're, you're normal, really, you know, it must be so, you know, so hard to suddenly then seek treatment after such a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. So are there like typical client presentations that you often see? You know, is there such a thing? 
Yeah, so usually OCD can occur at any age, but according to the IOCDF, again, it usually happens between the ages of 8 and 12 and also between the late teen years and early adulthood. In terms of presentations, like, like I said before, there's so many different subtypes that an OCD sufferer can struggle with. And the best treatment, the gold standard treatment is ERP. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and like in eating disorders, you know, this is really generalizing, but sometimes we might say that like a typical client might be quite anxious, sensitive, highly perfectionist, perhaps before the eating disorder is present. And of course, you know, that's a generalization and that's probably more for like anorexia rather than across all the eating disorders. But is there such a kind of like typical, like generalized client presentation with OCD? So I wouldn't necessarily say there's a typical presentation because I don't like to generalize in general, but Mm. I can say that people who struggle with OCD, they're very resilient, they're very creative, very intelligent, and very brave. I would definitely lean towards the symptoms that are present with the client and make sure that they fit the criteria for OCD. So I wouldn't necessarily say that there's a typical presentation that's always present. Sure. Okay. And so can you tell us a bit more about OCD treatment and and how that works? So the gold standard treatment for OCD is exposure and response prevention, which is a type of cognitive behavioral therapy. So in a nutshell, we're making the client confront their fears without engaging in the compulsion. So the way I like to explain it to my clients is I always talk about weight training. Like I always tell my client, well, if you've never lifted weights, I'm not going to make you start lifting at 100 pounds. We want to start with five and then 10 and work our way gradually and systematically. And also part of treatment is learning to accept the thoughts without trying to fight it and helping the client change their relationship with anxiety and change as well as change their relationship with their thoughts. So we can't control our thoughts and thought suppression doesn't work, but we can learn how to respond to those thoughts. So, you know, sometimes people may think that anxiety is the problem, but anxiety is not the problem. It's usually how we respond to the anxiety, which becomes problematic. So, you know, something I always share with my clients is just because we have a thought, it doesn't mean it's true. And it doesn't mean that it needs our attention. It doesn't mean that it's a good thought. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thought. But we can simply accept it and allow the thoughts to be there without responding to them. So on a last note, like in terms of treatment, I think that you have to handle the bad to get to the good. And repeated exposure breeds habituation. So basically, your brain eventually gets bored every time you expose yourself to that feared situation. And that provides the patient with corrective learning and that they, they learn that they can manage and they can tolerate the anxiety without engaging in the compulsions. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. I mean, it sounds like really kind of, you know, just really interesting. And I think I really like the way that, you know, obviously you're kind of really teaching clients like you in a way not to just have a very different relationship with their thoughts and almost to kind of be able to like, like you said, like kind of like with, 
the metaphor almost with like building weights it's kind of like you're kind of exposing yourself to new situations gradually aren't you so it feels more tolerable and you can kind of build up that tolerance exactly yes you said it perfectly so do you find that once clients get momentum with tackling the kind of you know in inverted commas easier kind of OCD compulsions then then does that then give the impetus to be able to challenge the harder ones I think in general, when it comes to facing fears, each one can be challenging in and of itself. But I would say that each time they face one of those fears that they confront, they're building that uncertainty muscle and making it stronger. So I think that a big component of treatment as well that I wanted to add is willingness. So it's so important for the client to have willingness to confront those fears because I think that if there's willingness to experience discomfort, then that's the keys in terms of getting your life back from OCD. Sure. And it makes a lot of sense, actually. And it makes me think about as well, similar to like treatment and eating disorders. You know, I think someone needs to feel kind of ready, like in their motivation and almost feeling, yeah, they've kind of got that willingness to kind of, you know, they want to change, even though they realize that there's probably going to be some real obstacles in the way, but almost the desire to change is almost kind of greater that they feel that they can kind of push through that and it's going to give them that impetus to go forward. Yes. Yes, exactly. So is a complete recovery from OCD impossible? That's a great question. So in terms of OCD treatment, it is not cured, but it is managed. And obviously recovery is possible through ERP, which I mentioned before, it is the gold standard treatment. I think it really, I believe it's about being brave enough to start treatment and start by taking those baby small steps and being consistent and motivated in treatment, again, is key. And something I would add is that even if you have a lapse or a relapse, you want to remind yourself that two steps forward, one step back, and that growth is not linear. It's bumpy and messy, and that's okay. And that's part of the recovery process. Hmm, sure. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And I think, I think that's just a kind of very similar for just recovery and mental health generally, isn't it? It's not a lovely, smooth ride. Exactly. Yeah. So, and have, do you have any other sort of areas apart from kind of like anxiety and OCD and everything, other, and other areas of mental health that you're particularly interested in? Yes, actually, I'm very interested in eating disorders, and I do want to get trained in the treatment. I'm always fascinated by your posts and always learning so much from your Instagram posts. All right. Oh, that's good to hear. And I mean, are you finding as well, like, do you find that when you're working with your clients with OCD that some, you know, some of them have eating disorders as well? Like, you know, do you get that crossover? That's a really good question. And I think that Sometimes they do present with what it it presents like it's an eating disorder, but it can actually be OCD. And it's a very fine line to delineate. And it could also be very hard to differentiate whether it's OCD or whether if it's an eating disorder. Mm, Sure. No, I think it's a really good point, actually. I think it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think definitely some of my clients I think there's a fine line sometimes between whether it is OCD or whether it's an eating disorder and it's a challenge but sometimes to think about how to best 
you know treat that person and you know because I guess really you want to try and do use an approach which is going to be quite holistic really to be able to address both but well very interesting and you have to like kind of keep in touch about what happens with your training and eating disorders <laughs> yes exactly so how do you Maytel and um, work to find a healthy balance you know to support your own mental well-being so I think self-care is key and I practice what I preach and I think that self-care helps us be in line with our emotional, mental and physical health. So for me personally, I love having me time, whether that's going for a walk, having my favorite cup of coffee, anything that's going to be related to self-care. Sounds good and very necessary, I think, isn't it? As work as a therapist, <laughs> yes, and necessary during a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, like three final quick fire questions for you. So, what would be your last supper three course meal? This is such a fun question. I would say that kale Caesar salad, pasta carbonara style, and chocolate cake. Mm, great choices. Thank <laughs> and do, you. <laughs> do you have a favorite quote or mantra? Fall seven times, stand up eight. I truly love this quote because I think that, you know, recovery can be a bumpy ride, but it's possible. Mm, sure. Okay. I love that too. Cause I think, I think again, it just reflects the true nature of recovery, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. So tell us something as well about you that may surprise us. Ooh, that's a fun question too. So I'm an auntie. I have six nieces and one nephew, and I can definitely say that they're my world. Oh, and do they all like live locally to you? Like, do you see a lot of them? Unfortunately, they don't. Three of them live in Los Angeles close by to me, but four of them live in New York. So the struggle is real. Sure. So it's like a, it's like a flight, I guess, is it? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> but probably not much in a pandemic or... <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and Maitland as well, where can people find you if they want to find out more about the work you do? So the group practice I work for is called Anxiety Therapy LA. We're located in Los Angeles, California, and my Instagram name is Mindful Psyche. Okay, brilliant. Well, I'm sure like lots of people will want to go and check you out and, you know, maybe they have some more questions about OCD or some of the other things you've been talking about because it's been really, really helpful. So, Mason, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today. You know, really appreciate you talking. And, you know, I think there's so much value in this episode. And, yeah, you know, really appreciate it. So, thank you. so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you again. So I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. So thank you so much, Maisel, for talking today. And please go and visit the show notes to see where you can find out more about everything Maisel's doing in terms of like her Instagram and website, etc. So thank you so much for listening today. If you're not following me already, do see me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for regular tips and insights into overcoming disordered eating, do sign up for my weekly articles on my blog page at rethinkyourbody.co.uk. So thank you again for listening and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm-hmm.